When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Well, welcome in, everybody. Ring the bell, indeed, and ring in the new and the new WBC heavyweight champion is the former undisputed heavyweight champion. The Gypsy King gets it done. Tyson Fury scores a seventh round TKO over Deontay Wilder, the previously unbeaten Wilder, beaten now for the first time in his career, stopped, obviously, for the first time in his pro career. And we are here to discuss it uh, at length, at detail, with a lot of different insight. Notice I use the pronoun we cannot do this alone. I'm going to enlist the great help of T.C. Martin, my initials brother from another mother, all the way out in the Vegas desert, T.C. of the T.C. Martin Show on five days a week in Las Vegas weekday afternoons. He was there on location for the upset. T.C., good to have you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Great to be with you again, TJ, and uh, still coming down from the uh, emotional, exhausting, exhilarating high from last night at T-Mobile Arena. I should say at the MGM Grand, excuse me. Yeah, what day is it? What planet are we on? Did we actually see all of that? I can identify in some ways. TC, good work. Stand by. And now to prove that we are transcontinental, among other things, let's go eight time zones away from where TC is to England, to Suffolk, England. And the boxing writer, David Payne, is back with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Uh, Have you already ordered your commemorative copy of the program for the Fury Upset? How are you, my friend? I'm very good, with a broad smile on my face. Um, Yes, uh, as TC said, exhilarating, just about coming down from the adrenaline high, um, despite it being early morning when we saw it here. But um, yeah, excited to talk to you guys and dig into this fight again. Love that. Also love the perspective. Hey, this guy's not far from where I am in the same area code. So we got Las Vegas. We got England. We've got Florida as well. Senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. Here he is, the Marquise Johns, back with me on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Uh, My friend, good to have you after what we witnessed on Saturday night. Absolutely, TJ. Great to be on with you guys. And what's forgotten in all of this mist and celebrations of Fury retaining was the fact that he retained his lineal championship. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the the lineal title that stopped becoming relevant, at least on the ESPN broadcast, as soon as the green strap came over to Tyson Fury and his weight. And then they couldn't say WBC, WBC, WBC enough on their broadcast. 
uh, on their on their coverage of the fight. All right, so again, we've all got different perspectives. Obviously, the uh, the one that carries the most weight in this conversation is one T.C. Martin inside the MGM Grand. You were there. You witnessed all of this firsthand. You are best qualified to talk to us about what we all saw on the tube. Tell me about what you saw in person as Fury comes out on top in the rematch, sir. I think a lot of it, uh, TJ, guys, is, is what we had talked about last week where you know, we knew that Tyson Fury was going to be the busier fighter, that he could have the ability to win rounds. And it's really hard for me to back a, a one-punch puncher, for, especially from a, uh, a betting perspective. And uh, the thing that we didn't know for sure was that Tyson was going to come on out and actually hold up to his prediction that he was actually going to bully uh, and push uh, Deontay Wilder around and actually take the fight to him and eventually knock him out check the boxes of every one of those things and he does that he didn't do it in round number two like he predicted but he started pummeling him in in round number two and then especially in round three and then again in, in five and seven we we saw so much of it that uh you know wilder's corner you know threw in the towel called a halt to the bout and that was it but in my eyes it was pure domination he destroyed him uh you know my word of the evening last night to a lot of people uh uh, Deontay Wilder looked disinterested. Uh, he had his heart and soul taken away from him. Uh, you know, there were some injuries that took place, uh, you know, uh, by the hands of uh, Tyson Fury with a, uh, the reported, uh, you know, word that we got last night immediately after the fight was a broken jaw and potentially broken eardrum as well, too. But uh, his equilibrium was off, obviously. But it was a thorough boxing clinic. And I didn't think that we would be saying that, uh, you know, uh, with these two guys involved, that, that actually the Tyson Fury would be giving Deontay Wilder a boxing clinic. But that's exactly what my eyes saw last night. Hey, uh, one follow-up on that, because I'm curious. You obviously experienced the, the fight inside the arena. At the time that we're now taping the podcast, this is Sunday afternoon, Eastern Time, Sunday evening, England time. Have you seen the rebroadcast with announcers, the full replay, highlights only? Or for you, is it still just going off of what you saw in person and covering things as you did Saturday night TC? I have not seen a replay. I've not seen any highlights. Again, uh, I didn't get uh, you know out of the building uh, till very very late last night, and then of course a fine steak dinner afterwards at the MGM Grand. So uh, <laughs> uh, did not uh, did not. You know that's always you know key, as you know with me, TJ. I mean, I mean, food and boxing they go hand in hand. So you know we we got to go have a good steak afterwards. So no, I did not see the rebroadcast interviews or anything. So it's still fresh in my mind uh, what I saw last night. David loves my cliches. So uh, Fury ate Wilder's lunch, and then TC ate a steak late night after it was uh, all said and done. All right, so let's bring this Is to... there a difference? I don't think there's a difference, right, David? <laughs> there may not be. Uh, he did. He figuratively and literally ate him up uh, in that fight last night. David Payne, uh, again, you were watching in the early morning hours in England, in the U.K. on Sunday. Your thoughts now, my friend, on Tyson Fury uh, reclaiming a portion of the heavyweight title. There is, there's no doubting, there's no arguing that he got it done on Saturday night. That, that part is put to bed. Your thoughts? Absolutely put to bed. And I think um, the other thing that this does, certainly for the present time in the heavyweight division, is it makes a bit of a nonsense of all those belts. I uh, take on board your comment that you made, TJ, about the uh, 
announces very quickly bringing in the WBC belt to replace the lineal belt that no one could put their hands on at the time. Um, but <laughs> all the other belts now, uh, to my mind, are rendered redundant. Um, Tyson Fury is the king of the division. He's done it across the globe. He's done it on all the networks or m- most of the networks. There, there is no obstacle really to him being accepted and revered as the number one in the division until someone beats him. Or he has another three-year hiatus, God forbid. But he's the number one. Whatever whatever belts he might be carrying around with him, he's the number one until somebody beats him. And Anthony Joshua can have all the other belts if he wishes. Until he beats Tyson Fury, he's just a top challenger. He's not. He's, he can't be the man until he's beaten Tyson Fury. And I agree entirely with the comments that TC made. Obviously, we're a slightly different experience watching it on TV at 5 a.m. in the morning for me. Um, but I just found it thrilling uh, fight, and it was great to see him fulfil all his promises. Obviously, we all had doubts and reservations about his added weight, the, his greater solidity at 19 stones, as we call it here, or 273 over there. Um, but yeah, just a fabulous performance, and he completely wrecked him. Um, the, the, it was clear pretty early that the equaliser lottery shot that Wilder may have had was, would have been just that, a lottery shot, um, because he was offer, offering very little. And as TC relayed, he's, he seemed a broken spirit, as well as broken physically and technically. Everything that he had was broken down very quickly, and it was a matter of time. And my, to be honest, my only disappointment is that he was let out for the seventh round. I thought he uh, a better corner would have stopped him on his stool after the sixth. I thought he'd had enough, was damaged, and had nothing to, left to give. I have one more question here for David Payne. Uh, again, we we saw the United States pay-per-view call, which was ESPN announcer Joe Tessitore uh, in this country, who is a football and basketball announcer as well as a boxing announcer and has been for a long time uh, as part of uh, the ESPN coverage. Andre Ward, the former light heavyweight champion, is the typical ESPN analyst for their coverage. And then they added on, obviously, the former undisputed heavyweight champ, uh, Lennox Lewis from the Fox broadcast and the PBC broadcast, uh, who David is obviously humongously familiar with, uh, not only as a fighter, but with his broadcast work as well. So they were on the U.S. call. I'm just wondering, David Payne, a fun one real quick. I don't know how the British announcers and calls sounded, but it had to be exhilarating and we had to be waking houses up all, you know, waking up neighborhoods all over the U.K. early morning Sunday with their call of the fight. Yes. Well, I'm going to sound like a real nerd now, um, but in light of the last fight ending in a very controversial draw, I, I actually watched it with the sound as low as I could mm. get it, really, so that it wouldn't uh, interfere with my own view of the fight. Um, and I would be able to say afterwards that I watched it with the sound off, because that's always the first point anyone makes if they disagree with your opinion, or you were obviously swayed by the commentator. So, yes, I'm sure it was uh, excitable and noisy, um, but when you're watching it at 5am in a house with three children, you tend to have to <laughs> do the muted version of the jumping on the sofa kind of thing. Um, I have declared my uh, love for Tyson Fury in the past at the gate. I am somewhat biased in his regard. Um, so I was thrilled that he did it. And I was very excited that he that he came through and got the win uh, and the manner of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that the UK side of things was, uh, was very excitable and... Um, and thrilled, etc. It was a, uh, it was chaotic scenes in the ring afterwards, certainly, wasn't it? And uh, Tyson Fury brought his his usual 
panache to proceedings with the with the singing of American Pie. I'm sure we'll tire of that eventually, but for now, it's <laughs> it still seems quite fresh and new, doesn't it? Yes, uh, the royalty check's still uh, clear. They still cash for Don <laughs> McLean and that famous song from the 60s that Fury brought back in the ring after the fight. TC, before we get to you, Marquise, I promise I'm coming to you. TC, were you singing along on Bye Bye Miss America Pie in the arena? Because there were a lot of people singing. Oh. Was, was Too Cold joining in? Too Cold was not. Uh, I was trying to show a little bit of professionalism being a media member. But I will tell you, that was the second 45 I bought when I was a child. Don McLean, American Pie. Don't you forget it. You know, you can take that Chevy and drive it to the levee anytime, TJ. TC, TC, was, was Sweet Caroline the first one? Yeah, I was going to say they were singing that too. Yeah, Sweet Caroline. Right. And, and Patsy Cline before my time, guys. You know, with, with, yes. with uh, Patsy Cline there. I was a little... And, and again, it took him so long that he said, we got to reboot and we got to do it again. Because remember, the song is only two and a half minutes. It's too long to get to the bloody ring. Yeah, for the fans that are not completely aware, uh, Fury was carried into the ring on the throne like royalty to the Patsy Cline. I believe that's a 1961 song, uh, Crazy. And you're right. It, it took a while and it was crazy how long it took for him to get to the ring uh, and, and be ready to fight before we ever saw... Uh, Deontay, while we had a good 15 minutes of ring walk, literally by the time the fighters left their dressing rooms and eventually were both in the ring, believe it or not, uh, for this one. Marquise, you've been very patient. Senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. Marquise Johns, your thoughts uh, on this one as we watched in the late night hours, the uh, Eastern time, uh, almost midnight hour, we were watching this one on Saturday night. What about it? Absolutely, TJ. I'll give you the uh, different perspective of my end where I went to your local neighborhood unsponsored sports bar to watch this fight. <laughs> and they gave us uh, pretty much the sound on our end was low at the bar, which was probably to the betterment on my end, because knowing that this ESPN card was probably saying something I probably didn't want to hear, considering that they had a panel host of guys who were who couldn't put bow ties and Windsors together and were <laughs> amongst other things and weird narratives. Cause that's just how ESPN does things with broadcast. I get it. But it, for, for the, for the, for the pure boxing purist, it, it, it's kind of, it's tough. So me missing all of that, the fight itself, TJ was pretty much, I hate to say it's pretty much post on what David and TC already said. It's, it was almost one way traffic at one point where you can see in the fifth round with the body shot that knocked a Wilder down, you could see the look on his face when he got back up, and it was just like, why is this continuing on? So I have nothing outside of the ordinary besides that to pick up on. Also the fact that I don't know what Wilder's game plan was because at one point there was a jab that Fury hit Wilder with <laughs> in the second round, which may be the only round that Wilder may have won in that fight. And you can see like his head snap, and it was – Actually, at this point, on this point, it's on the internet. We're all, it's every meme known to man. But it's also just a fight fake, fight, the fact that there was nothing else that Water had an answer for outside of that. He was being overpowered. He was being overmatched. We, if everyone thought the weight was going to be an issue, that wasn't. And we'll just see how he regroups and rebounds from this. I love all the various opinions, so I appreciate all three guys giving theirs. I'll give mine here. I already wrote about this on BigFightWeekend.com. Let me say at the outset very clearly what I wrote about as well. Tyson Fury deserves full credit uh, for the win. Uh, whether he and his training staff uh, tactically came in with the idea of be at the bigger weight, lay on him, maul him, wear him down in those ways, whether they set out to do that or it just kind of evolved in the fight, I, I don't know that we know that uh, for sure, and we may not ever know that. Of course, it's easy to say after the fight that, yes, that was the plan all along. Uh, but clearly that was effective. 
uh, the wrestling, the the grabbing in the headlock uh, over and over again. But my opinion is still, and I've now rewatched the fight as well. So uh, again, TC, I'm at an advantage in that regard that I've now seen the fight twice. David, I don't know that you've rewatched the fight in the in its entirety, and Marquise, I don't know about you. Uh, but I've rewatched the fight as well with the commentary uh, up and have, and have watched the full seven rounds. Uh, I wrote that it was weird. It, it was weird because Wilder was unbalanced, uh, whether it was a concussion on the knockdown in the third round or not. Uh, not unlike what the belief is that, that Anthony Joshua suffered a concussion in the third round of the fight last June with Andy Ruiz and wasn't the same fighter. And it begins to explain some of what you saw. So maybe that was some of it. Uh, in this fight. Uh, the other thing I said was it was unsa- it was just unsatisfying to me at the end because I didn't think the flurry in the corner from Fury was enough to stop the fight. I understand there is, there's all kinds of concern about fighter safety, but in the moments before they got to that corner, Wilder threw a jab and threw a right hand behind it, trying to land the big right hand. He clearly wasn't concussed at the point that he couldn't defend himself. He's even throwing a punch, by the way, when Kenny Bayless sees the towel come in and is jumping between them. So to me, again, I'm not bloodthirsty, but I would have wanted to see another punch or two or maybe one more knockdown, and then you're waving the fight off with the towel in, and then that, uh, there's no doubt, there's no dispute. So to me, it was just a little unsatisfying at the end. Not to take away that, that Fury doesn't deserve the victory. He was the better fighter. Strategically landed the cleaner punches, the heavier punches, he deserved a win. So there's there's my take. Uh, and again, I've written more of that. We plug away on BigFightWeekend.com. TC, back to you uh, in the arena. In the moments after the victory, take us back to the scene as best you recall. People jumping up and down. British fans going crazy. You've been at a lot of these big fights. What was that moment like, and how does it compare with Fury upsetting Wilder and taking the title? You know, I'd say 75 to 80% of the house was, uh, you know, Fury backers. So there was a lot of jubilation. Again, you just feel the electricity. And, and unlike a lot of fights here in Vegas, uh, even though, you know, we had a pretty late start time and we had an undercard that went kind of long, uh, the fans were in the seats, I mean, early on for this. I mean, you go back to, you know, the fight actually took place at 9, 10 p.m. is when we actually got un- underway local time here in Las Vegas. But the place was packed from 7.45 on, I would say. And uh, you could just feel this, you know, type of electricity here uh, that, that, that people just wanted this thing, uh, you know, to get going. So, you know, when Charles Martin got the knockout in the, in the final prelim, they're going, yes, you know, finally, let's, let's get this thing going here. So there was so much anticipation and like I said, you know, going through, you know, the walk-ins and the long entrances and everybody, I mean, especially the Brit fans, I mean, they were very hyped uh, about this. And then so when it concluded, and again, I think we all knew in, in the arena that basically from round maybe four on, definitely round five on, that this thing, it was just a matter of time before it was going to be over. And one thing I'd like to add to your point, TJ, when you were, were watching it and you were talking about maybe having the fight go on, from what I understood – his uh, Deontay Wilder's corner basically said uh, at the uh, before round seven came on there during that that minute break that you have to show something here because and I think that they were just the corner was so shocked and very frustrated and even I'll use the word embarrassed that they they knew that this guy was not going to win the fight and which is kind of different you know because we saw him thoroughly get outboxed by by Ortiz 
back here in December when Ortiz basically won every round before the seventh round where he unleashed the thunder. But I think his corner knew, and I think that we all knew that that punch was not going to come tonight. And I think that's why they said, you know, if you don't show anything here at the beginning part of of this round seven, uh, we're going to stop it. Interesting. David Payne, uh, to you, uh, give me... Give me a thought or two here in response to everything that you've heard, whatever else you uh, whatever else you like here in the early part of the conversation. Go ahead. Okay, a couple of things. I think um, your point, TJ, about the uh, whether the strategy was planned or whether it evolved as the fight unfolded with regards to Fury doing some leaning on, using that weight to his advantage, I, I'm, I'm pre- prepared to believe that that was very much planned. Um, it's a strategy that Lennox Lewis talks about a lot when... Um, fighting Michael Grant about kind of getting hold of him, leaning that weight on and it's that extra weight it's easy easy to forget that uh, when they fought last time, Wilder was only what, 212 pounds, something like that he's, he's a big tall guy but he, he is he doesn't carry that weight so whilst he's got that nuclear right hand, the actual strength battle he's, he's not accustomed to being in wrestling like that and it's not it's not a comfort area for him so I'll I believe that was always part of the Fury plan to kind of drain him, make him tired, uh, and the, the pushing him back was was definitely part of it. If he couldn't do it with a jab, then he would just do it with his physicality, because Wilder's not accustomed to that, is he? I know he's had struggles with Ortiz, but against everyone else he's fought, he's pretty much um, had things in the main his own way, and he's been the one coming forward. And I think the second thing is the balance thing. I, I'm I'm trying to be careful not to be t- t- to condemn Wilder too much here which you know we've done pri- I've done a little bit more privately with you TJ uh, in the past and on the podcast as well um, his balance was never great even in in his successful fights and the minute he was put into an into areas where he was unaccustomed to it looked even worse and then once he'd had that knockdown whether it was a concussion whether it was related to an injury to his ear his balance seemed completely shot. And without balance, um, and I, I know he's a little bit of a freak of nature, but without balance, then the power is never going to come, um, I wouldn't think. So uh, it just it just exaggerated his flaws, I felt, the way that Fury fought. And to me, that's, that's a sign of a good strategic plan. Again, voice of David Payne. He's in England at the time that we're taping. Uh, it is Sunday night here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I've got T.C. Martin with me in Las Vegas, where it is the Sunday afternoon after uh, Fury's upset of Wilder in the rematch. Tyson Fury once again has a portion of the heavyweight championship. Uh, the WBC belt is now his, whatever you make of the whole lineal. If the lineal thing never comes back around again, I think we're all good uh, uh, with that. And Marquise Johns is with me here. Marquise, again, based in the sunshine state of Florida in the United States and is the senior writer of BigFightWeekend.com. All right, Marquise, uh, to you. I guess I'll ask you a pointed question here. Did Mark Breland, the former world welterweight champion, the former Olympic gold medalist, did he overreact, in your opinion? Did he potentially... Uh, maybe stop a fight sooner than what Deontay Wilder deserved because clearly Wilder's reaction twice walking over to him was, why did you do that? Why did you do that when he threw the, uh, when he threw the talent? Marquise, what's your thought? What's your reaction? Actually, I, I agree with Mark Braylon's decision and throwing the towel win on this fight. And the, what's interesting about this broadcast is that the, the reason why it looks so weird to you, when, probably even when you watch this fight also, is that when, he, when Kenny Bayless came in after he threw a punch and just stopped the fight, it, it, the angle they showed it from was from Wilder's back angle, so you couldn't see anything being thrown in or being mentioned. So you just came in and saw the fight, and you see 
the ref just come in and wave it off, and it's like, what the hell happened? So <laughs> that's that was a problem on the pay-per-view broadcast with the camera work, which is interesting because they had literally 50 cameras for this broadcast, overhead, 360, they finally, Skycam. To interject, they finally got yeah. an angle, and TC, you may have seen this angle, you may not have. David, you're probably familiar because you've been watching a little more of the replays mm-hmm. and that stuff. They finally got an angle where you could see the towel come across the ring, and Bayless saw the towel, and Bayless even points Marquise to the towel and says to Deontay, they threw the towel in, essentially. He's pointing at the towel saying they wanted it stopped, and that's when he walked over, reacted, why'd you do that, why'd you do that? Continue on, Marquise there. I thought I'd point that out. Absolutely, and that was the one thing that even made Water confused as well, because obviously he didn't see it either. And with that in mind, I think Brilliant did the right thing on this. We all know in this day and age with boxing, with with fighter safety, anything involving, you know, too much damage to the head. There was no adjustment from Wilder from that fifth round on that showed or any sign that it was going to change the course of the fight. Of course, Wilder wants to be out, you know, go out in this shield, you know, be the last man standing, all, you know, insert warrior cliche here. But at the end of the day, you got to protect him for another round and another fight, which will happen, and then just keep him moving. All right. Interesting on that. TC Martin, back to you uh, for a couple of more thoughts on this. Uh, there is a rematch TJ, clause. TJ. Yes. So- TJ, sorry, can I just, just sure. pick up a point Marquis made there? Because I think it's important. The uh, Sorry, TC, to, to interrupt. But um, the thing about the, the, the towel coming in, uh, as far as I know, certainly under British Boxing Board of Control regulations, the referee is still at liberty to throw the towel back out. He doesn't have to accept it because he's ultimately in charge of the ring. However, I think if you watch it back, and TC's not had that luxury yet, but when you do watch that fight back, you'll see Kenny Bayliss looking at um, Wilder two or three different occasions through the fifth and sixth round. And he's looking at with concern at that blood pouring from his ear, which is an unusual injury and perhaps isn't as significant as it appeared at the time. And he looked uncomfortable with what was going on. And also when he split the two fighters, I felt right from the third round onwards, all of the pressure that he exerted was on Fury. It was almost like he was protecting Wilder. I think Kenny Bayliss very much had a sense that Wilder's... Wilder was in trouble, was very, very vulnerable from, as TC mentioned, sort of the fourth, fifth round onwards. Um, so I think the first chance he got to snatch that towel opportunity, he took it and jumped in as quickly as he could because, um, as I say, he, he does, he's not obligated to accept it and call the fight off just because the towels come in. He could, he could have let it continue if he'd chosen to. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, and that's a good point, and it is the same with most boxing commissions uh, and sanctioning bodies here in North America, worldwide, in these title fights. The referee is the man in charge. It's ultimately up to him. The doctor, for example, can make a recommendation. It should stop, but ultimately it's the referee's decision uh, on, on, uh, on what to do. Uh, and and w- a couple more things just real quick that we need to clarify. Uh, the best that we can gather from the media that's reporting, again, Dan Rafel does a great job as ESPN senior boxing writer. He talked with the Wilder camp on Sunday afternoon, Sunday late morning, Las Vegas time, Sunday afternoon, uh, Eastern time. And they confirmed it's not a busted eardrum. It's not a perforated mm-hmm. eardrum. It's a cut on the inside of the ear, about a two-centimeter cut that was bleeding. Uh, The other thing is there's no confirmation of a broken jaw. However, there is concern, did he suffer a concussion? And that has not been confirmed. Deontay Water, we're talking about one way or the other. TC, I was coming to you uh, about, do do we need to have a third one of these? You now witnessed uh, firsthand the rematch. 
There is a rematch clause. We're wondering if Wilder will invoke that and will try to have a third fight before the end of this year is up. What's your opinion, TC? Do we need to have a third one of these, at least in the short term? I'm, I'm actually split on this. And last night I was actually saying that anyone that would listen, I'm really not interested in, in a third matchup with these two guys, especially considering what we saw last night from Deontay Wilder. I'm not sure there, you know, the result would be any different. Uh, the rematch clause, when I talked to Bob Arum uh, last week, he had said that the winner would get 60% uh, of, 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 the, of the, the purse, the gate receipts. Next time around, the loser would be 40%. They, they would both have to agree upon that. So obviously, I mean, that is, that is something that they are, want to do before um, you know, Tyson Fury you know, entertains a fight against Anthony Joshua. But I think after what we saw last night, I think that the Joshua Fury fight would be much more compelling, much more entertaining. And uh, it's going to take some time for Deontay Wilder to, I think, get back in the, in the good graces. And I think that sounds a little strange considering the guy you know, was 42-0 and with 41 knockouts, had the highest knockout percentage of a heavyweight in history at 95%. But again, the old Janet Jackson song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? That is going to be fresh <laughs> in everyone's mind of, uh, you know, I love to go with music and food, TJ. You know how that goes here. But anyway... So uh, I just don't know, you know, how interested the public is going to be to see that go back. Now, maybe after some time and Deontay Wilder comes out and, and he said some good things last night, like, hey, the better man won tonight. He wasn't bitching and moaning. Yes, he was disappointed that, that, that Breland in his corner, you know, you know, threw in the towel there. Um, but I do want to add this. When David came back and then you came back, I do want to talk about my angle on that fight, I didn't see the replays or anything, but I clearly saw everything develop because when that happened, they were actually facing me uh, where I was uh, ringside. And I, going back to rounds, in between rounds uh, five and six and six and seven, I was noticing Kenny Bayless going over to that corner and especially between rounds six and seven, really taking a good hard look and having conversations there. I don't know if the camera you know, picked that up or whatever, but I clearly saw the towel come in, you know, uh, you know, saw it delivered by Breland, you know, over the top rope in. I saw Kenny Bayless has had that peripheral vision where he saw it and, and stopped it immediately. And I don't think anybody, uh, you know, co- you know, complained at that point in time. I did talk to Kenny Bayless afterwards last night. He's a very close friend uh, of mine, and I talked to him before and after, and he basically said that, uh, you know. Hey, uh, he's, once he saw the towel come in, there was nothing you know he could do. You're right, David. He has the opportunity to basically throw it back or, or discard that. But in Kenny's mind, uh, what he saw over those two rounds prior to that, uh, enough was enough. Interesting. Uh, can, TJ, I f- can I interject? Yeah, go ahead, Marquise. Actually, to piggyback on what TC said, uh, I can confirm what's well. When I was at the Javante Davis card with PBC uh, uh, up in Atlanta, uh, the terms of that fight card, uh, if the winner gets the 60-40 split, and it's going to be a Fox-branded pay-per-view. At this point, to me personally, it's going to be a done deal. Because as uh, Waters Camp has 30 days to negotiate and, and announce it in between hand. Also, the venue of it more than likely will either be a choice of either back in Las Vegas again or the highest bidder in New York, i.e. Madison Square Garden or Barclays Center out in Brooklyn. Interesting. So Marquis doing a little reporting for us here that he seemed to think it was going to be uh, a rematch no matter who lost this fight. And they have 30 days uh, to do that. Hey, one more TC on the relationship with Kenny Bayless. I'm just curious because I haven't heard a lot of interviews 
with him, a lot of comments from him after this fight. Did he say at any point on the record or even privately to you that he was concerned enough in the fifth or sixth round to stop the fight and was giving Wilder the sixth, let's say, in the seventh to maybe show him something? Did he give any further comment about that? No, we didn't go too much into that. And, and to that point, you know, the referees are basically not allowed, uh, you know, to talk to the media. And, uh, you know, Bob Bennett, who is the executive director, uh, another another close friend, and I'm not trying to you know, come across as, mm-hmm. as, as, as name drop here at all. But, uh, you know, again, these guys have come on, you know, with me, with the permission of Bob Bennett, but uh, I'm not allowed and I, I don't push that button. You know, when they, when, for example, when Kenny Bayless or any of the referees, whether it's Robert Bird or Tony Weeks or any of these guys, when they when they get the announcement uh, in advance, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have them on at that point in time. If they are not doing the main event, I will have them on or in post-fight situation. I did talk to Kenny Bayless again last night, and he is planning to come on with, uh, on my show this week to actually recap it. But just in our short basically friendly type of conversation. Uh, obviously, he has to be careful of what he says as well, too. So, I'll, you know, a lot of that pretty much is, is off the record. But uh, I have, I'm comfortable in sharing that with you guys. Uh, but, yeah, did not not go into any further detail than what I just said. So I don't know what he was thinking uh, as the fight progressed. Interesting. Voice of T.C. Martin. It's the T.C. Martin Show. TCMartinShow.com. He's on five days a week in the afternoons in Las Vegas. Oh, I think he might have something to talk about Monday and throughout the week, but you can access his show wherever <laughs> you're hearing us here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast through TCMartinShow.com, either live or on replay on podcast, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Al Bernstein on in advance of this fight. Uh, Sugar Shane Mosley on in advance of this fight. He'll have some great post-fight guests as well this week. David Payne is the bi- Boxing writer in the UK. He's on the party line uh, as well, along with Marquise Johns, uh, the senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. All right, so David Payne, same question to you. Uh, Are we going to see this a third time, and might we see it before the end of the year? Do you want to see it right now before the end of the year? What is your What is your take? Well, I've got a few thoughts on that, but um, and and I hope we're going to cover a little bit about the corner work uh, during the podcast before we close off because I thought they were two very different corners and I'd be interested to see what TC thought or what her, if he was able to talk to any of the guys from certainly from the Wilder corner about how they think that went because they, they seemed very passive and inert in the corner there didn't seem to be a lot of direction for, for Deontay however to answer your question well the, the thing that nags at me I think the 60-40 split I, I can't see that being a deal breaker given that you know Fury's won this fight and Wilder would then be the challenger and so on and the money at in play would be significant so you'd think that's still going to be a fair chunk of change for for Wilder to try and get it all back but one wonders whether the two networks would be willing to come together again and put the amount of effort and payroll they've put into uh, this fight into making it the huge event that it was whether they'd if be I can interject it's our it's our understanding that that's all already been agreed to and all that right. the next and that the next go around it's essentially a Fox pay-per-view with their announcers taking the lead more of their coverage taking the lead that all of that was ironed out 
Now, all of that is subject to change. And what happens if the Wilder camp looks at it and says, we don't want the immediate rematch? Could that part of it be changed at a later date, a year from now, a year and a half from now? I don't know. But the best of our understanding is they already worked all this out for two broadcasts where ESPN would take the lead on the first one. And in the likely event that there would be a third one, then Fox would take the lead and it would be more of their announcers the next time around. But again, it's boxing, as you know, David, and you talk to me about all the time. Think, Nothing's ever definite. I don't think uh, I'm, I'm a critic sometimes of Wilder's fighting ability. But what I want to give him great credit for is his willingness to take this fight, the two Ortiz fights. Uh, I, I give him great credit for that. And I would not be surprised at all if that same man that did that wants the rematch, despite all the evidence that he will see when he watches that fight back and all the bruises and injuries that he's accumulated and the manner in which he didn't have any impact on Fury in this fight whatsoever. It's hard to conjure how he can change anything. He doesn't have the background or the, sorry, he doesn't have the the technical foundations to really make many changes. It's all down to that. Can I hit him with the right hand or not? I don't think he can adapt and change at 34 at this stage of his career. But I think the man himself will want to take the rematch because that has is the spirit that he's shown over the last year to two years isn't it in his career he's been willing to take those challenges so whilst it might make be prudent professionally to perhaps take a step back and take a top 10 fight and let Fury fight someone else and then perhaps come back to this spring next year end of this year who knows if it can be crammed in but probably spring next year they may be able to build a new fresh narrative for for a third fight because I don't think there'll be a lot of people picking Wilder in a third fight and that's kind of what you need for the sales pitch surely sure they can do the the big dramatic ring walks and new outfits and new sound bites but there's got to be something for people to cling on to that believe that Wilder can do anything different there wasn't a lot of evidence in it in this fight not forgetting he out he was out box for 10 of the 12 rounds last time too reminder on the big fight weekend uh, uh, podcast yes hang on tc that we're coming your way uh here in the aftermath of tyson fury's victory over deontay wilder you can subscribe to this podcast and hear it anytime however you found it through a social media link or whatever the case is uh through spreaker.com subscribe on itunes on spotify on google Podcasts. this podcast will come to you usually in the preview mode as soon as we have a new one here we're in the recap mode and uh, tc martin you wanted to follow up there about the timeline of a possible Wilder uh, Fury third fight should Wilder fight somebody else uh what about that what did you want to follow up on yeah well I just wanted to to touch on that is that uh you know each purse here was equal to five million dollars for that and there's no doubt you know that Deontay Wilder is going to want to take a, a rematch with Tyson Fury even if he feels that that okay he's hurting right now and you know, he doesn't have all of those, uh, the arsenal in his toolbox, as, as we've been saying. Uh, but, you know, again, we're talking about even at 40%, uh, you know, he's going to make anywhere in the neighborhood from 20, along with pay-per-view sales, to maybe $35 million for a rematch here. He's not going to be able to do that against a lesser uh, opponent. So even if he doesn't think that he can beat Tyson Fury, and this, like I said, the rematch is pretty much in place, you know, talking to Bob Arum, uh, he's going he's to do it. So I think we should just throw out the window that, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder is going to have second thoughts about, about fighting Fury versus someone else. He's going to take that fight, and, uh, and we're going to see it. And I, and I don't think it's a done deal when it comes about, you know, the Fox crew taking over or whatever, because uh, when I was talking to Aram about this last week, you know, 
he, you know, they went through a nightmare working with Al Heyman when they had to do Pacquiao Mayweather. And he said he would never, ever do it again. But they, they agreed to do this fight because they felt that there was too much money and there was no other real fight to, to happen, you know, for, for Tyson Fury. So they were going to suck it up and, and deal with it. I can tell you again, it wasn't as bad as a Pacquiao, Pacquiao Mayweather, um, you know, fiasco from a promotional standpoint in 2015. But, uh, you know, there were some, some cause for concerns. Again, anytime you have a co-promotion with, you know, two guys that basically, uh, you know, don't really get along, there are some challenges here. So, um, you know, and the thing with, with Bob was saying, yes, we're not going to have the two broadcasts, you know, teams and the two broadcast platforms like they have for Pacquiao Mayweather, but, you know, it, it is definitely going to be ESPN. So I think because Fury won the fight, it wouldn't surprise me if that changes too and ESPN, you know, basically takes the lead again. That's not for certain, but that was kind of, you know, what I was kind of hidden to that. Interesting. All right. And he's got some insight. He's been out there. He's got these guys on his show. That's why we love TC Martin. Marquise Johns, I want to come back to you with something David Payne brought up. Did uh, did uh, Wilder's own corner cost him here? Example, in the call of the fight that you didn't get to hear very much of, Marquise. And again, David, you heard a different call of the fight in the UK and TC hasn't heard the call at all. Uh, Andre Ward and Lennox Lewis both made mention in the sixth round and the seventh round that in the wilder corner, they're not being animated enough to get him refocused. Uh, it almost, uh, I, I believe it was Andre Ward said, it's almost like they're in shock right now. Uh, they, they didn't go so far as to say this is a bad job being done by Mark Breland and JD's, uh, the trainers, but it was almost like they were implying that. Uh, further, they obviously, gentlemen, didn't have anybody to help close the cut inside the ear. So that's that's like shades of Tyson 30 years ago losing to Buster Douglas where we don't even have ice or an inswell in the corner to help him with a swelling eye. They don't have somebody to close a two-centimeter cut in the ear to keep it from bleeding. All right, Marquis. so I've said all of that. Did Wilder's corner in some ways fail him in this fight? Your opinion? Part of his corner did fail him in this fight, TJ, and it's mainly just the game plan that they had for Wilder. I did, if you watching that fight back, I just don't know if Wilder was going to have an answer outside of trying to land that right hand, which he didn't really throw for the most part of, of that fight in general. So I really can't blame the corner for that part, with the exception of the fact that the corner didn't have an answer for that cut. And we've seen it before with the last Fury fight with Otto Wallin, with where the eye thing was, was, was an eyesore. I mean, it was pretty much a, a bullseye at one point. And I don't see what Wilder's corner have to have any actual effective game planning for him. I guess I, don't, I really don't think TJ they had a plan for him coming in as a way that they must have thought that he was. Because let's be honest, leading up to this fight, Tyson Fury may have said about one to two million different things leading up to it. One of them he said was coming in over four, at 270. And, you know, some of us all kind of scoffed and laughed at it, like, OK, sure. Andy Ruiz did that. How'd that work out for him? And. And he came in at 273, and they was like, okay, that wasn't on the tape. So maybe that, maybe even more of that than anything else, and maybe it's just the fact that they just weren't prepared for it. Interesting. All right, again, we come down the home stretch here, so I want more opinions. I'm going to go back to 
uh, David Payne here uh, for this one. Uh, we, uh, we're contemporaries. We love the history of the sport. Ali was obviously beaten by Frazier, avenged it with two victories. He was beaten by Leon Spinks at the very end of his career, avenged it about six, seven months later uh, with, a, with a decision win. We saw Tyson uh, lose very famously, never got another crack at Buster Douglas. He then lost to Evander Holyfield in Las Vegas, but got a chance to try to avenge it and then ended up nibbling and biting Evander Holyfield's ears and getting disqualified. Lennox Lewis got knocked out twice, avenged them both times in relatively short, quick fashion. The second time with Hasim Rahman, it was only like a four or five months later he was in the ring. Most recently, Anthony Joshua defeated last June, was right back in the ring in December uh, with Andy Ruiz and avenged the defeat. Uh, to me, I, I think Deontay Wilder wants to try to get the blotch off his record. Like, like a lot of the other greats have. How much of a chance he has is a different argument, a different debate, but I think he will try to go for it. So with all that historical perspective, what say you, David Payne? I agree uh, with you. As I mentioned in, my, in one of my previous answers, I think um, whatever there may be prudence in doing something else in terms of improving his chances of winning, he will take the rematch. And as TC pointed out, there's obviously a, a huge financial imperative to him doing so because he may never get into that position to have the contracted match with Fury again. So he will take it, he will earn the money and we will see it again. And the more I think about it, the more obvious that seems. Um, but I don't fancy his chances in a rematch uh, or a, a, the third the third matches, as it were, at all because I don't think whether he changed trainers, whoever he... I can, cannot see his capacity to adapt he doesn't have the fundamentals. I hate to, to repeat the line. Um, he doesn't have the fundamentals. He has that nuclear right hand, but he doesn't have a lot else. He does. Uh, people have, I think, overstated his jab. They tried to explain his longevity by saying he's better than he looks and all these kind of things. I, I, I don't see it. He, he was one of the top two or three guys in the division and remains so. But when you actually break down his style and his technique, he's got enormous holes in it. And Fury is one of the best technical fighters or the most uh, adaptable fighters there's perhaps been in this division. Uh, he brings he brings a combination of qualities that we've probably not seen before. Uh, and then he, take, he takes he takes up uh, tactics last night which seem completely opposite to what he should do. You, should, you would think just stay on your toes, jab on the outside, move, just avoid that two seconds that... Wilder kept saying, I only need to be perfect for two seconds. And that seemed to be his whole game plan. And again, I think that echoed in the corner. That their only game plan is, I only need to be perfect for two seconds. Uh, and Fury just walked straight into the fire and walked him down. And I, and I just can't see how he's going to leave. He's going to respect him even less in a third match. And I think unless Fury goes off the rails and doesn't prepare... Um, I can't see how Wilder wins a third match. I really can't. I can, I can interject because we've always had fun debating this. He dropped him in the 12th round of the first fight, and the count was nine. To sit here on this podcast and any other podcast and say it can't happen again is fantasy land. It can absolutely happen mm -hmm. again. We'll, we'll wait and see if it ever does happen again. But I can't go along with I can't fathom how he wins it was Fair nine point. when Fair he point. got up. He got up the last time. So, all right. Uh, final thoughts here from the group. TC, you were there. Uh, again, I defer to you. Uh, here for the for the aftermath of this one, you're going to be talking a lot about it on your show for this week. 
Uh, put it in perspective with Wilder uh, losing for the first time, Fury regaining a portion of the heavyweight title on the road to potentially being undisputed champ again if he gets in there with Anthony Joshua. Give give me one more time some perspective coming off this fight, Tyson Fury's victory. Just think it was a, a remarkable, outstanding game plan by Tyson Fury. Uh, and again, he delivered everything that he said. And again, you know, being around him for the last six to eight weeks here in Las Vegas to, to see him train and just to see, you know, how he's been uh, marketing this fight and and going about his business. Uh, it's it's amazing. This guy is is the consummate pro and he has improved as, as a fighter over the last couple of years. You know, people want to talk about the first fight. I mean, he came into this fight in better condition. He came in with better speed. He came in with, with uh, a bigger arsenal. And, uh, and we've seen this now, even though he fought, you know, two lesser guys, uh, you know, here in Las Vegas and Tom Schwartz and Otto Valine, what we saw was the same Tyson Fury, except, you know, he, he was, he was aggressive and he took out the bully, uh, you know, last night against Deontay Wilder. So I think, you know, Tyson Fury is the man right now. I think, you know, Tyson Fury feels that he has, you know, captured everything, almost that uh, he could do in this sport. He's talked about finish out his contract uh, with top rank and ESPN for maybe two more fights. And then he's going to walk off into the sunset because I just don't think he has that deep, deep love for boxing to keep it going. And I think a lot of people you know, question that, but the bottom line is really what more does he have to prove? So I think, you know, he's going to fight, you know, a wilder again, maybe against Joshua. And then if he wins those fights, I think he's done. Interesting. Marquise, final thoughts off of this, at least for now here, to start off a new week? Absolutely, TJ. I'm looking forward to seeing the final numbers and totals of this fight, and it's all but guarantees while we're getting a third fight up. Top rank couldn't announce fast enough once the final bell rang that the yeah, the state and you were there, TC, uh, that how, how the gate had uh, grossed about seventeen million, which is the biggest in Nevada for heavyweight history. So even if the interest is half that for the third fight, just for kicks and giggles to say half, that's eight and a half. That pretty much matched the gate, pretty much of what Manny Pacquiao Keith Furman did last year. So the money is there. That's why the fight will be there. And by I'm the way, more... quick math: that if there are a million pay-per-view buys, and in the United States, David, I don't know what it was offered for in the UK, but in the United States, the pay-per-view was offered for eighty U.S. dollars. That's a quick <sighs> eighty mil, by the way. If it was a million, Bob Arum kept saying T.C. Martin that he thought it would be closer to two million pay-per-view buys. Right. We don't know what the number is going to be and we may not learn that number for several days. But again, there's a hundred, a hundred and fifty million dollars in pay-per-view if it's somewhere around a million and a half or more for the fight. So, uh, again, financially, there's also incentive just to interject that. Anything else, Marquise, real quick? Absolutely. Mentioning the $80 price tag, TJ, because as you know, as I went out to your local uh, unsponsored sports restaurant to watch the fight. <laughs> Hopefully for this this next go-around, if they are going to charge at that sticker price, they put on, guys, a stronger undercard. No offense. I was around a bunch of bad, casual boxing fans at the, at the bar, and you, the only interest they had in it was when they were doing on the broadcast, TJ, the split-screen thing where they had DeAndre uh, Wilder's wife walking in the orange getup, and they are putting <laughs> the hand wraps on and the glove. They could have cared anything less about Sebastian Fendora, Daniel Lewis, <laughs> Charles Martin, Gerald Washington, right. uh, Emmanuel Natarate struggled for about eight rounds against Gio Simosima. Like they had no interest whatsoever. So hopefully, they'll, with the more money involved, they can put more money into the undercard to have a bigger co-main for this event next go around. 
All right. Interesting on that. Final thoughts, David Payne, who writes at the Boxing Writers uh, website, boxingwriter.co.uk. Final thoughts uh, from you here off the weekend and off the Fury victory? Um, yeah, I think that just that last point that Marquis made is interesting. I think with the, the fights on this kind of uh, seismic scale, I think we're into a world where the main event is the only event, uh, and they sell it all off of that. And I think... Um, the days of a stacked undercard that uh, we could approve of as hardcore fans may be over. Um, however, the, the the wider point is just one of uh, sheer glee at Fury doing it. We mustn't forget that long story that some people have got tired of hearing of where he came from. And yes, you may say it was all self-abuse, etc. But to go from where he was three, four years ago to be king of the hill again, I think is absolutely remarkable. And I just hope and pray that he, uh, he doesn't slide off again and he can hold it together and have a, a more productive professional life and, uh, and, and enjoy what he's achieved. Very good on that. T.C. Martin, uh, Marquise Johns, David Payne, it was a blast to be with all three of you. History made on Saturday night as Tyson Fury recaptures a portion of the heavyweight title. He's the WBC world champ. Anthony Joshua will now be up next, presumably later this spring, if they can ever get this fight made, uh, with his mandatory IBF challenger, Kubret Pulev. Uh, And then is it Joshua who has the WBA, IBF, and WBO titles in the ring with Fury later this year? Is it a Fury-Wilder rematch? We're going to find out. Gentlemen, thank you. T.C. Martin in Vegas, we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, T.J., Marquise, David. Uh, Great to be on with you guys. Uh, Great sharing the insight with you. And uh, uh, Who said boxing's dead? Forget about that. Uh, The sweet (laughs) science is, is alive and well. And thank you, Tyson Fury, for putting an exclamation point on that. David Payne, great stuff. They can follow you at The Boxing Writer. I always love having you on for the different perspective. And to the victor, Tyson Fury and his fans, goes the the spoils, the celebration, the jubilation. That will continue. I'm sure when he hits the U.K. probably soon, uh, the party is back on on another continent. So thank you for hanging with us, David Payne, here to give us some insight coming off the, uh, the Fury victory. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it as always. Hopefully this worked for the audience and it was uh, great to meet, so to speak, TC. Thanks for his insight too. Great stuff on that. Marquise Johns, keep knocking them dead on BigFightWeekend.com. And, of course, they can follow you at the uh, the fantastic handle Weak Sauce Radio on social media, on Twitter, at Weak Sauce Radio. Marquise, I always love it. Thank you for the time and the insight on the podcast. Absolutely, guys. TC, David, this has been fun. More importantly, guys, now that people are actually watching boxing again, maybe we can get some more stronger fights. And hopefully, just hopefully, we'll get to see more elaborate ring entrances, like more heavyweight (laughs) guys being carried in on thrones. That must have been painful for those women to drag that man into the ring. That was the good stuff. There There was definitely some muscle behind carrying Tyson Fury for that long amount of time into that ring. And he carried the night figuratively uh, with the victory. Again, handing Deontay Wilder his first loss. What happens next? we got to find out what happens next. With a rematch, or does Fury fight somebody else? Does Wilder want to still fight in this calendar year? We're going to find all of those questions out. By the way, keep reading at BigFightWeekend.com. Again, TCMartinShow.com for his show this week in Vegas. As he gives great insight from there, David Payne at BoxingWriter.co.uk. That's the website to read him up. Gentlemen, thank you, and we thank all of you for being with us here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.